Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club. I'm Tyler Bell, your host, writer, creator, author of the West Side Fairy Tales Dark Fiction and Horror Podcast, which you're probably normally on this feed for. But um, today, this is the Horror and Lit Club episode. These are non-canon, um, non-fictional episodes. It's just me talking, so you can get to know me a little bit more and hang out with me and uh, enjoy some stuff on today's program we're going to be talking about Jeanette McCurdy's I'm glad my mom died um in German that is uh meine Befreiung aus einer toxischen Mutter-Tochter Beziehung Beziehung I can't I don't know I don't know what the uh, I can't ever remember the accent the accent rhythm in German anymore I, I don't practice it but I just thought that that was a funny I, I have the title um of the book pulled up because it's hard it's, I'm glad my mom died. I'm going to say 15 times during this, I'm glad my mom's dead. Um, because literally, it's the same words, <laughs> functionally speaking. Um, and uh, I, I can't keep them separate in my head. I wonder if there is a little bit of articulation difference. You know, um, I'm glad my mom died is like... I'm glad about that specific event. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm glad my mom died. Which kind of makes it feel like your mom might still be around, you know, mentally. Like, if you don't think of death as being just the, like, an absolute finality kind of thing, you know? If you think about it in video game terms, like, you died and then you you die, right? But you might not stay dead. I mean, even in real life, you know, you could die and then come back. Like, you get resuscitated and shit. So, like... Sometimes, you know, it's like, hey, I'm glad you died because you OD'd on heroin for two seconds and they brought you back with Narcan and, like, you got your shit back together. I'm kind of glad you had that that moment, that rock bottom and came back. In my mind, which is, you know, I guess maybe that is kind of like, it makes sense for the book, which I'll get into. But I feel like if it was, I'm glad my mom's dead, it really speaks to the ongoing nature of the death. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm glad she's dead now still dead the the her being dead is what's good as opposed to the moment of dying i don't know there's like there's a an extremely subtle distinction between those two 
which is kind of the things you get into when you're writing. And I wonder if it was intentional or not. It might be. It also might not be. Um, but yeah, the actual title is I'm Glad My Mom Died. Um, and of course, that's by Jeanette McCurdy. And um, I'll get into that in a bit. But if you don't know, Jeanette McCurdy is the um, character of Sam Puckett, which I only know from this, uh, the actual character's name, uh, from the Nickelodeon TV show, iCarly. I thought iCarly was a Disney Channel show, but it's actually a Nickelodeon show. But we'll get to that in a bit. Um, how the hell are you guys? I haven't talked to you in a little while. I know I've been a, uh, I've been away. I've been, uh, what is that? What is that term? Non of non presence, absentee. I've been an absentee creator. I feel like I apologize for that every three months. It's just, um, it's just the way the business is, man. If I was considerably more successful, <laughs> you know, and I could hire other people to do shit, then um, I could turn out content much more regularly but as it stands um i just keep burning out because i'm trying to do other additional things um and i overtax myself but it's fine because hey we're all going to be dead one day and when i look back on this i can say i got pretty much everything done which is that's what i was trying to do so it's all good <laughs> um if you guys haven't been following around my uh, debut novel, not following around. If you guys haven't been following me recently, uh, my debut novel, West by God, is going to be coming out uh, hopefully in October. That's a soft date. Um, I'm pretty sure we could maybe hit it, uh, but we're just kind of wrapping stuff up. It's just getting tight to deadline, um, and we're going to have to get in you know, proof copies and stuff of hardbacks and soft covers and stuff, and I, I don't know if that's actually going to happen on time or not, but like... Um, if it doesn't come out in October, it'll like definitely come out in like November or December. They kind of just gave me an extremely, extremely fucking tight deadline um, to get the book kind of like finished and rehashed and, and, and put back out. But it, it's fine. I just wish we had a lot more time for like uh, publicity and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, with all that said, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, um with all that said, you know, uh, keep an eye out for that. Thanks to everybody who showed up for the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter came and the Kickstarter went. Um, I was so stressed out by it. And while I was doing all this work and stuff that I kind of had like a little, little baby mental breakdown. Just a few series of multi-day long panic attacks where I was just like, hey, man, uh, gonna you're going to hit fucking reality like a brick wall about how fucking small and insignificant all your work is and you're just gonna hate yourself I'm like eh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited for that i'm excited for that but thankfully it didn't really happen uh there was a lot of good support from you guys thank you very much which i know is hard out there man it's not economically it's hard to be a small creator right now because it's just hard to get support from like you know the small people i guess you would say just the average human being out there you know like i get it fucking rent is insane like the mortgage on my house is like a half of or a third of the average cost of rent of other houses in my neighborhood which is just like it's absurd at this point like you're paying $1,600 to rent uh, a one bedroom one bathroom barely barely fixed up shotgun house in Germantown Kentucky like that fucking that's insane that's absolutely absolutely fucking nuts um and i get it man you know like uh before the fucking economy tanked dude like patreon subs were uh, they're always you know 
they were popping up and shit and here and there. And now like, man, fucking the goddamn pandemic hit. Everybody's sick. Um, everybody's fucking kids are here and there. The shit's in chaos, man. Uh, just the really, I think it, the worst part is definitely the runaway rent for fucking over people, especially on the low end of things. I think the reason I feel like I really want to even just talk about this is because if you guys have listened to the most recent episode, even of, 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 uh, sin carriers, you know, it, I wrote that like back during the pandemic and bef- before I believe. And, um, it was a, uh, how to say this? Well, I guess I did write it during the pandemic, but it was, um, it wasn't supposed to be like so prescient, but like I, I get to a point in this episode where, you know, Ducky is, or Vicky is talking about, you know, like, Hey man, it's hard to be a typewriter salesman out here when people don't have enough extra money for a typewriter and it's not their fault. They're all still working the same amount of hours but their dollar's not going as far and it's not fucking dumb shit like taxes and stuff. that's killing them. It's they're fucking paying obnoxious amounts of rent. Like you want to talk about, like, you can complain about taxes. Fuck fine. But like you better be complaining about your 16, like well, one third, a half, three quarters of your monthly paycheck is going to live in a fucking shit box. Like I, I think your fucking anger is directed in the wrong direction, pal. <laughs> one of them one of the numbers is 10%. The other number is fucking 60%. Like that's absolutely gnarly, you know. Uh and that shit just needs to get that shit just needs to get cut out. That's all it's all fucking it's all going to get worse for a little bit. Uh if you guys don't follow all that housing stuff and blah 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 blah. blah. But like, man, it is, uh, it's rough and I respect that. So if you're out there and you're like, man, I really wish I could support the podcast. I really, blah, blah, blah. like, I get it. I get it. I get it. Give me money, but I get it. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, as the, as things are going up, I think I'm, I think I'm in a much better headspace now. I had a, I had a lot of work to do, man. Uh, basically I'm still technically working on West by God. Uh, it's like the last, fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent you know um but i i we ended up there was just two minor changes basically kind of with like in the spirit of the book which could have been things that i just took and didn't do shit with you know it could have been like hey um you know we wish this character was a little bit more like this and we wish like this aspect of it was a little toned down a little toned up and then, you know, you just kind of go through and you just like sort of, you know, polish a window. But I kind of just reinstalled all the windows in the house, uh, which is typical for me. But it's like, I really breathed a second life into that book um, and made it, I think I kind of just caught it up with where I am creatively and I'm very, very happy with it. And I like the vibe of it different, right? Completely. It's a completely different vibe now. I'm pretty sure like a lot of you guys have noticed, like my writing, writing style has changed up a bit. I mean, it has to, you know, you, you're going to get better or worse, um, depending on how you kind of work on yourself creatively over the course of your life and the kind of work that you're doing. And luckily for me, um, my kind of work is very open for me to do almost anything that I want, because on the flip side, you know, the compensation's not particularly great and I don't actually work for anybody. Um, but like it has let me kind of figure out where I'm going. And when I started out writing, I had a very journalistic style, which I kind of thought I kind of forced a little bit too. Like I kind of just thought of it as being, um, 
maybe like being my trademark. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I can't re-articulate the thoughts of the 27 year old that was writing some of these things, you know, almost a decade ago. Um, but it's definitely a lot more, I'm a lot more like, I guess in the spirit realm <laughs> these days, a little less, um, unnecessarily grounded, which I think gives everything a lot more breath, you know, being, being a grounded writer is cool, but when you're a grounded writer and your ground, the ground is your head underneath it, you know, like you're a fucking emo, that's probably not actually, um, as good for you as you think, you know, sometimes being off of the ground gives you a lot more perspective than being on it and having a mix of both is going to give you the most well-rounded view of a subject in general. There you go. But, um, yeah, all that's going to be coming out soon. We were hashing out stuff with art, hashing out stuff with layout and where things are going to go. And then I'm going to have to try to do a book tour, I guess, around places. I'm going to have the, the those people set me up and then I'm going to be doing that for like the next couple of years. And maybe I'll put out a sequel. I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, I think with that, I'll just jump into it. So recently I read a book called I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Uh, and it's by far uh, the most interesting uh, memoir, you know, tell-all memoir type thing I've ever read in my life. Generally, I'm not remotely interested in um, Hollywood drama memoirs and stuff i think most of them are pretty fucking trash honestly uh and usually it's kind of like an end of your life type thing you know um some washed up person from two decades ago will kind of come back and and start talking about some stuff not to say i guess that technically describes Jeanette mccurdy um in, in a mean way um but when i was working at uh media play which is kind of my first foray into trying to understand what the hell people buy in the entertainment industry and why they buy it Uh, media play was a now defunct and completely basically forgotten store uh that sold books music electronics and uh video games and it was um a common thing for the random memoirs to like sell out the first week and then if you didn't sell out that memoir, everything that every other copy of it was functionally worthless. It was basically pulp uh, because everybody wanted to know things and then they wanted to know them first. And then by the time that information basically like leaked to, you know, out into the, to the mainstream, once it's been distilled and put out there, you know, like the, the every one of those books comes with some random accusation, some revelation about uh indecency or mistreatment on set or in the studio something like that you know this person was assaulted this person uh, didn't care about this person let him get drunk this person was using their authority to uh, exploit people that's that sort of shit that, that was basically all those books kind of boiled down to and it's none of it's like new information for me in any way that i like value in particular you know it, it's nothing that is like oh man, yeah, I really care or need to know that like Hollywood is a corrupt fucking shithole of a town. Like everyone knows that. I've seen a million movies, a million TV shows by this time in my life. I I know, like I get, yeah, if somebody's a child star, 
their mom was fucking an insane piece of shit or this or that or that or the other. But I liked the bent on this one um, because it just kind of felt that they, usually if you write something with a title like this, you kind of can't come back from it. And it's, I'm glad my mom died. You know, obviously you're really pushing off the title um, because I don't think there is a lot of interest in Jeanette McCurdy with all due respect. I mean, I know she's like famous and she's a millionaire, but the crowd that reads books and the crowd that knows who Jeanette McCurdy is and is really concerned with the ongoings of her life is, is a very, a very thin overlap of two large Venn diagrams. Yeah. I, I was interested in this because it is like, I'm glad my mom died. And I saw her doing some sit down interviews and I really just wanted to see if the title justified it. You know what I mean? If I actually would like, uh, get to a point where I'm like, hell, okay, you know what? I'm glad your mom died too. I think I feel like that's the challenge kind of um, offered up by this title. I mean, it's very interesting, you know? When I was working at a media play, I'd see the other ones that would come out. I think the particularly large ones that came out when I was working there were the like, I think it was like the guy from Motley Cruz big tell all about like the 1980s which is just kind of like yo we did drugs and shit kind of deal and you know hey i'm a millionaire but also no one listens to my music anymore <laughs> that kind of thing i think there was one about hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I think there's one about Kurt Cobain, but obviously he didn't write it because he shot himself like, you know, a decade earlier. And I think, I think that might've been called scar tissue. Scar tissue, if I remember correctly, was the like popular one. Um, and then like, I think at least once a year, some, a woman, like a female presenter type, like a, you know, not quite like an anchor woman, but like some woman, who is a personality on like a sit down daytime TV show would put out one of these. Um, and it would be like, I think I picked up one of them. I can't even remember who it was from uh, some random. Just imagine a cream colored pantsuit in the two thousands and then just put any fucking head on to that pantsuit. And it's that person. And it was just like, um, it, it's just bullshit, you know? Little did I know that, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's mommy blog stuff, really. You know, like little did I know it wasn't going to be this hard to have a child who would do some random small child thing that I'm getting used to now. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, I guess those are like, they, they fit into the, uh, 
a, a genre that I don't think has been maybe like outspokenly established, but probably somebody knows has an understanding that it exists. And I think it's just like cozy memoirs. Uh, and, and then we would, we would put those on the shelves and those would be like, blah, 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 blah. And then if you didn't sell them all like pulp, pulp, no one would be coming in two weeks from then to pick one of those up. And if they did, you'd be, it would be rare. I, I don't even think generally they carry a lot of memoirs unless they're particularly notable at like libraries and stuff, because honestly, within like two or three weeks, usually of them being released, nobody gives a shit anymore. I think, I think this Jeanette McCurdy one actually will have some staying power though, because it really does. By the time you get to the end of this, you're like, man, I'm fucking glad your mom died too. I I would have traveled back in time to shoot that bitch. If I had the fucking power, um, it's heavy spoilers from here on out, and I'm going to talk about what I like about it, what I don't like. So if you want to go and read uh, Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died, it's out there. It, it's, it's available. Go go check it out. Um, it says here, Audible, it's 1180 um, and you can get it in hardcover for 20 bucks, Kindle for 15 So very, very, very available. So, um, it, it, if you don't know who Jeanette McCurdy is, uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you her name. I just recognized her face, sort of, kind of, because she was Sam Puckett on iCarly back in uh, the early, mid-2000s. It was a Nickelodeon show that I never watched. I think my sister, my little sister, who's about six and a half years younger than me, had some degree of passing interest, but when this show came out, it was either I was in the military. Let's see, actually, when did iCarly begin? iCarly. iCarly started in 2007, so I was on my second deployment. I was in Ramadi, Iraq, when this fucking show started. Uh, it's about Carly Shay, who uh, has an internet show. It becomes an instant smash. And then she has her friends, Sam and Freddie, and her quirky older brother, Spencer, to cope with her new found success. Uh, teen sitcom. Uh, literally profoundly uninteresting to me. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those shows from that era. I guess maybe they still make them, but I don't think they make them as much anymore because A, the cat's out of the bag, and B... You can do it in easier ways. So basically, in the 2000s, in the 90s especially, though, there was this idea. So basically, like, there was these two kids called the the Olsen twins, right? And in the early 90s, these twins became this sort of, like, insane zeitgeist phenomena, even though they were just children. There was two little girls. They were blonde. No technical acting ability to speak of literally not a single interesting role in their entire careers no drama things that i can remember that were particularly like was like we needed those kids specifically i think their biggest thing that in the mainstream that they were on was the full house sitcom right in which they were completely negligible additions to the cast it, it could have been any other set of children there but where they really made their bones were in these dog shit fucking abc family uh mini movies right of which they were they made a relentless relentless onslaught 
amount of. And basically, it was the networks and the studios found that they had like just kind of a really generic charm to them. They were uh, easy to watch, easy on the eyes. They could giggle a little bit and they were just little cutesy, two little cutesy fucks. And you could figure out whatever the fuck was coming up. If it was Labor Day, if it was Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, any time where everybody would have to like take the time off you know, and turn on some bullshit to get the kids to shut the fuck up on the TV. There was a Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen TV show available for you. It was a little movie, 90 minutes to 100 minutes runtime, cowboys and Indians shot on the cheap, like literally maybe production budgets of fucking a dollar. You know what I mean? Two or three sets almost no motion, like five adult actors. And then these two just running around discovering, you know, fucking Indian burial grounds and fucking trying to find horses and shit. If I can remember the one was Mary Kate and Ashley go West kind of thing. You know, these kind of like vehicle movies were really popular in the 1990s. Um, the earnest movies like are in the same sort of category. You had the earnest does whatever, and um, it was just basically like Ernest and then a situation, you know, so it's that character or those, those characters in a, a certain situation for 90 some odd minutes. Maybe there's a special guest star from some guy, usually some chubby washed up comedian from the 1960s that your like grandparents remember like, oh, it's this fucking dude. He'd show up and be somebody's crotchety grandpa or something or you'd get some lady from one of the major soap operas that were on at the time to be their mom. And, and that would kind of like draw everything together. And in making these, they kind of fucking clinched all of the leftover market of everything that wasn't good, basically belonged to Mary Kate and Ashley. And they became billionaires before they turned like 12. They were two individually, two billionaires, ton of fucking money and um, they were easy to work with because they're kids. You just made a shitload of money. You didn't have to really worry that much, I guess, if you're a creator or a studio, about them suddenly developing some sort of issue. Obviously, they're not going to try to fuck all the people that are younger than them because there's not that many. And also, they're 12. So you don't have to worry about the typical Hollywood things of sudden massive drug overdose, sexual assault of, of junior employees, or just, I don't know, random uh, mental illness and like murder-suicide shit. And they would show up, you make them work, you make a fuckload of money doing almost nothing. And like the Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen effect blew up and continued exploding into the 2000s, right? Um, there were a ton of like vehicle children like that when I was a kid. And it would just be a constant effort to make those kids a thing. It was just relentless astroturfing. And now that I know that that term, it's like there, there was no real appeal to them as individuals. A child can't have appeal. It's a fucking child. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're fucking dumb as shit. They have nothing to say. They are not creative. If you like looking at children in like a normal sense, you're like, Oh, Hey, I like kids giggling and doing cute stuff. That's fine. If you're a creeper, 
I think there's a, a, a an unspokenly large audience of people who also appreciate it for that. And I'll get that into that, into the Jeanette McCurdy thing. But generally, like, yeah, man, they're fucking, they're super easy to work with. There's not much going on. And it's kind of like a g -g 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 hallmark aesthetic level of, you know, creativity that goes into it. You, you churn these things out. I think, like, how many, I gotta look at this, hold on. How many Mary, Kate, and Ashley movies are there? There's at least 20. So, yeah. Let's see. This this just random vulture things from 1992 to 2004. Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen starred in a total of 36 movies. So that's 16 years. They basically they were basically doing like two movies a year, and unironically, most of that is backloaded back into when they were children. Children because they're older than me by about three or four years. I think. Um, I can't remember how old the Olsen twins are. Olsen twins, Olsen twins age. Um, they're th they turned 37 this June. So they're literally a year older than me. So basically all of the Ashley Olsen or all the, the Mary Kate and Ashley stuff is like backloaded into the early nineties. So they were probably doing, like I said, four or five movies a year, basically a quarterly release, a quarterly quarterly release, and then it kind of slowed down and slowed down, going into two thousand four when you know they would have been whatever, like fifteen, sixteen years old, and there was really not that much of a draw in watching um, them as adults. And I think they also were just like, I'm done, I'm done acting because I've been working so fucking much. But like these vehicle children became this whole gigantic fucking thing. Like, there was uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who has just completely vanished. Now I'm just looking these people up. Hold on. What is Jonathan? Uh, he's definitely older than me. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like, even his actual picture is him as a child. What happened to him? What happened to Jonathan Taylor Thomas? 5'5", five, five, he's 41, lives in uh, from Bethlehem. He went to Harvard and Columbia. How about that? But that kid was massive, super massive. He was in. He was the voice of young Simba in The Lion King. Um, he was Pinocchio in the 1996 film The Adventures of Pinocchio, which I think I kind of vaguely remember. But he was on um, Tool Time, Tim Toolman Taylor. I think the one I remember, he was also in like dog shit, little quick burner mini movies, um, one of which my cousin Rachel watched religiously and it was the um the adventures of tom sawyer and he was tom sawyer obviously and you know in addition to these guys there's just it's it's innumerable i can't even remember them if you are roughly my age if you're in your mid-30s or you know a little bit older even and you have like a good memory of the 1990s you know exactly what i'm talking about it was just vehicle children over and over and over and over and over and over again. You'd be like, look at this kid. He's the, oh, isn't he so cute? And like, it was this insane juggling act where these like morning TV show hosts would be interviewing a fucking child who has nothing to say. There's not a fucking thought in this kid's head that's worth fucking hearing. You know what I mean? They would always be like, you know, what's your biggest concern? Oh, my biggest concern is homework. Uh, the whole fucking crowd laughs, you know, um, 
But it's just like, you know, they're paying, 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 paying. All this, this big money's floating around to get these people out there. And the process was really, really fucking refined going into the 2000s because you had a lot of like start and fails back then. Like kids would be started too old, kids would be started too young, you know, and a lot of kids would fall apart. But like Disney, Nickelodeon, I guess, in this thing, but especially Disney perfected this shit by the 2000s and was just squirting these kids out like fucking uh, poison into the air just like literally shitting them into existence and what would happen is you have a tv a kid's little kid right who's established themselves in child acting maybe they had like a role or two but you don't want them to get too famous preteen. once they hit tweens you let them you start putting them out more and more as like the head of a show then they develop a singing career so that by the time they're around 16 ish which is like the creepiest age they can be dancing on stage shaking their ass a little bit you know getting the fucking chud dads that have to watch this shit with their daughters like oh, maybe i will go to the miley cyrus concert and uh and, and performing a bunch of really like mid-level to dog shit pop songs that Disney can fucking make a quick buck off of. And then those kids have two to three years in the limelight. They hit 18 and they fucking vanish like smoke. Disappeared, right? Which is a process I always noticed. And I was always stunned when people would get like excited by this shit. Like, I, like adults my age would be like, oh yeah, like this is this blah, 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 blah. Justin Bieber, fucking uh selena gomez this this that and the other you know and they they come and then they fucking go i think the the longest amount of staying power of any of them is miley cyrus miley cyrus who was hannah montana and shit she transitioned into adult music fairly effectively and is not 100 percent cringe all the time and if she is cringe i feel like she's cringe for miley cyrus reasons which i respect you know, she grew up in a weird fucking situation. Her dad was the achy, breaky heart guy. Uh, one of the worst fucking songs to have ever been created. Uh, you have, if you were alive in the 90s, you saw somebody fucking line dancing to that piece of shit at a wedding. I know I did relentlessly every spring for months and months at a time. It felt like it would never end. Um, then, then there's Ariana Grande, who, as I would say, is probably the next biggest. But Ariana Grande is like insufferable, like just absolutely like loathsomely cringe. I hate, I hate her music. Um, I, I she killed fucking Mac Miller, didn't she? Or Mac Miller killed himself while they were dating. But um, fucking what's his name? Pete Davidson. She made me like Pete Davidson, which that 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 pissed me off. I think Pete Davidson's all right now. But uh, he made the joke about it, like, yeah, I can't make fun of my my girlfriend, but if I if I painted myself brown, and came up here, because uh, Ariana Grande is is white, like uh, white is the fucking driven snow. She's she's literally just a white girl. So I I bring this up basically to kind of set the stage for the book, and I had to, I, I thought about this a few times, and I don't really think I can kind of get into the book and discuss it because I did like it. And I think I should just stick with the things I like and not try to do a full recap. Um, Jeanette McCurdy's like was born in 1992. 
She was a child actress basically from the time she was six. And the entire book is just like a monstrous dump of trauma onto her relentless. She, she, she never really wanted to be an actress. Only her mom wanted her to do it. And uh, the second she basically like got to a point in her career where she's like, oh, I don't really have to do this anymore. I'm going to stop. She just stopped and has never looked back. And uh, this thing was kind of a fucking, this is probably a nail in the coffin as far as working in Hollywood goes. As far as like, you know, working with like major studios and shit or going back into the aspects of it the areas of it where, where she was like uh, most famous, you know, she's not, she, she turned down the iCarly reboot and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think what I like most about it is sort of like, this isn't really, you know, as much a story about Jeanette McCurdy as it is about her mom. I mean, once her mom dies towards the, you know, back end of the novel, obviously they go into it in the aftermath. It's not a real spoiler. Um, she she's basically the main character, you know. Uh, and then after she dies, like Jeanette McCurdy becomes more of her own type of person, and like just the controlling aspect of this woman in her life is just insane. I think this is going to be a good book for like deprogramming kids, unironically. And like it's probably one of those things where if you see somebody and they're like, "I really hate that book," you can start being like. Why do you hate it? And you might be able to just discover if somebody's a fundamentally evil person, like right off the cut. I liked it a lot. And I think like most things I like, I don't really have much to add to it. Um, It does feel like most memoirs for people that are still young, uh, as Jeanette McCurdy is, and haven't done much in life, unironically, like she's was a child actress, but you know, that's not really something you do. That's something that other people around you are doing and you are a your your life is a byproduct of their actions after that you know there's not too much interesting things happening you know she's not really building buildings or winning wars or anything of, of of particular note except for this book which isn't you know a knock against her it's just the nature of things so it kind of just delves into her having basically a normal life you know she's getting into relationships trying to overcome the trauma of her fucking mom and she has a horrible 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 eating disorder that she's getting over and uh you know that that just i think that's kind of interesting that it becomes you know once the her mom aspect of it ends it really does become like the kind of slightly boring slightly banal uh musings basically musings life's and time life and times of of just an average woman in her late 20s early 30s you know just kind of bombing around doing shit (laughs) living life and uh, I guess it's a nice wrap up to the the first chunk of a life poorly lived and and hopefully you know it kind of comes together for her after that she did a really good job of kind of articulating things I really enjoyed that it was not there was not a lot of misty-eyed reminiscence in this you know basically every good thing was kind of like couched in in the cutting direct bad parts of her life which are the most interesting there wasn't like you know these some of these things you read them or you know you listen to them and hear them online you have these 
trips off into like, oh, how much I love it. You know, for all the bad things, there was a lot of good things. But uh, with Jeanette McCurdy, it's a very direct um, kind of just assessment of, of her life. And and I enjoyed the shit out of it. Um, yeah, probably like an 8, 9 out of 10 as far as books go. It's not particularly long. You can pick it up, crack through it. Wish I had more to say about it, but um, it, it is pretty much pretty much straightforward otherwise you have to just get into and like beat for beat describe the plot start to finish and um there's not like really a lot of parts i enjoyed more aspects of it i enjoyed i think most of the entirety of the middle part is just super duper gross a lot of inappropriate relationships uh she was out there with dan snyder um, the Dan Snyder part was could have possibly maybe been bigger. Uh, that, that's one thing about iCarly, and I guess maybe to a lesser degree, Victorious. I don't know. It's the one thing I know about iCarly, or the reason I even know about the show, actually, compared to any of the other shows that existed whose commercials I would have seen at the time, you know, or my little sister, or maybe even later on, my little brother might have been watching, is that it... Um, the, the guy, Dan Schneider, the creator, who's only discussed in this as the creator, I guess, to avoid any possible legal complications or anything, you know, uh, because he is notorious as being one of the creepiest fucking guys in Hollywood that, like, everyone, a lot of people on the internet, especially on, like, like sites and stuff that I went to, was were really surprised when he made it to the other side of Me Too without anyone having said anything about him. And it might just be that he's not as creepy as he seems, although he is portrayed in this book as being uh, exceptionally pushy, pushy uh, emotionally abusive, weird as fuck to kids or child actors, you know, even if they're 18, if it's somebody whose career has been in your fucking putty in your hands for a decade and then, you know, they... They're they're stuck in a position where you gotta they gotta be people-pleasing you and he very clearly is, like, taking advantage, but the things that are always kind of circulated around the show, I mentioned that I would talk about this earlier and I wanted to get to it, was um, that it was a little too... It was a little too fetishy and a little too creepy, but only if you knew to, how to look for it, you know? So it's like the weird people and the weird side of the internet are like, does anybody else know that this show is exceptionally... It feels like it's trying to appeal to both a tween girl audience okay that's fine but also like an audience of really unsettling men with like certain predilections because there will be episodes you know and you have the normal aspects of the episode but even Jeanette McCurdy goes into this she was like 14 15 years old and not comfortable in a bikini and yet they had to be in bikinis in this episode and you know I had to try out a bunch of them and you had to take pictures of all of them to send to the director which all is legally speaking excusable behavior it's part of putting the show together but as far as like necessary very hard to get to a point of like what is the creative benefit of that like that shit's mad weird like is it is it actually like is the creative nature of what you're doing, your First Amendment rights, I guess you would say, in this in this circumstance, is it worth being so fucking creepy to a little girl? And I, I would say no. And, you know, the other stuff, and they don't get in, she doesn't get into this too much, but it's the things I saw when people are like, why does Dan Schneider keep getting away with it? There's a lot of weird foot stuff. Um, he, he takes pictures of feet 
and has feet on film of like girls. And it's the girls in the show squishing stuff, putting their feet in things, wiggling stuff between their toes, wiggling their toes in front of the camera, like at a rate approaching Tarantino, if not equivalent, like equal to Tarantino in certain episodes. And it might be that he's weird. Uh, no, it's not that might be. He's definitely fucking weird. If that's the product you end up putting out, you got to be weird. If it was me sitting here talking to you guys the way I talk to you all the time, just like this. But for some reason, my podcast just had like an exceptional amount, like a bizarre amount of like one weird thing. Just like a lot of descriptions of feet, feet everywhere. Like, and then her toes and her toes and her, her heels, her blah, 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 sticking into the same, blah, blah, blah. And you, you would get to a point where you're like, but what the fuck? <laughs> and I mean, if I was filming, like if in me, I'm in fiction. If I was actually going out of my way to like, select the specific 15 year old girl that I want to be doing this while selecting also her clothing and then like, you know, getting all that lighting inside and and, and going really, really all the way out of my way to, to, to set up that moment. It's, it's a, there's a big multiplier on it, you know? And, um, just fucking, fucking dan schneider look him up look up dan schneider weird and you'll it'll be a rabbit hole you'll be like wow the fuck was this show even on tv like what what is this (laughs) i remember when i when i fucking i came across like a youtube video or something that was like the weirdest guy in show business i'd have to look it up to figure out what the thing is and i watched slash listened to like the the 15 minutes of it and like they had all the receipts. Like, what? How the fuck? Uh, but eventually he got taken off of um, working on shows because he was also, like, just, like, a hair temper, abusive guy and would, like, yell at people and shit. Um, he had that uh, that cult leader vibe. And she, Jeanette McCurdy describes it pretty accurately in this, if not outright saying it as that, that he was he would very rapidly alternate between, like, big flowery compliments and, like, negative things about people. He wouldn't ever have like a conversation that didn't feel like it was a joust. So he would always be like, well, you know, you're great. I chose you specifically to be here, but you know, I need to know that you're going to be with me. I need to know that you're going to take direction and that you are going to uh, help me mold you and blah, 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 blah. And like all that kind of shit. And it was mad weird. And eventually she gets betrayed, you know, which everyone knows this is like industry stuff. Um, like not even industry stuff. Like I'm fucking working Hollywood, but like just well known that, um, Ariana Grande got jammed into her show, uh, just basically to fucking make Ariana Grande's career. Like literally it was just a vehicle for her. And this was, this was Jeanette McCurdy's show that was supposed to be all for her about her character, Sam Puckett from, uh, iCarly and shit. Whatever. I don't know. I guess it's more iCarly stuff. I don't get it. But it would mostly it was for fucking Ariana Grande to, sh- to sing and shit. And then she barely even showed up for work and the show was fairly quickly canceled. But it, it worked long enough for Ariana Grande to get big, which is just, it's just fucking funny to me. Like, that's just cold. Cold as ice. But I would say, yeah, at the end of the day, definitely check out this. Um, check out this memoir. Don't check out many other memoirs. They're They're generally pretty bad. I would say the only other one that I really, really like is uh, Doug Stanhope's memoir from like 2015, 2016. That goes pretty hard. And then he has a friend of him for his Miska Shubali 
has another pretty good one from that era. Although Mishka is his isn't as good. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh with all that said, I'm gonna I'm gonna be wrapping this one up. Thanks for stopping in. Thanks for hanging out. And uh don't forget to hop on to Amazon or wherever you're gonna get books. If you have a, a bookseller in mind near your home, we have full distribution. So if they want to order some copies of this book, tell them and they can get it in stock. So uh yeah, do that. Do that. Buy the book. Coming soon, West by God, Tyler Bell. Horror, thriller, mystery set in the deep in the hills of West Virginia. Uh, I'm excited about it. I wish I sounded more excited, but I also am feeling very tired because this is a lot of work. It is so much. It is so much fucking work. <laughs> uh, yeah, but until then, um, as always, stay safe out there. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning Westside Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.